What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to Straight Facts, a sports show that educates and entertains. I'm your boy, Jimmy J, joined by my two guys, as always. Stat Matt Robinson, rocking the, the Sixers jersey, I see, because you hype that they, they're number one in the Eastern Conference. Number one you. in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. We all know who's number one in the West, though. I don't got to talk about who's number one in the West. That boy's CP3 doing things. And then, of course, my guy player partner, Kyle Stierick, coming to him back at home at Phoenixville again, man. How you doing? How you been? I'm doing good. Uh, actually, going back to school next week, so this might be my last show here, but I might do one more in Phoenixville. So make sure you say bye to your fans in Phoenixville and make sure they know you're departing because then you can just run out on them. Like, well, I got a little pep in my step today because we got, you know, you guys know I'm, I'm always excited for guests, but I'm really excited for this one. Renee Washington is here to join the podcast. I mean, this, a resume that speaks for itself. Three-time All-American at LaSalle in college soccer. ESPN and Fox Sports reporter and a Philadelphia Union game day host, Renee Washington. That's a, that's, that's a mouthful to say, Renee. You, you wear a lot of hats. Thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast today. Oh, thank you guys so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Appreciate the intro. And uh, I'm a LeBron fan. So for all NBA talk, aside from whatever we're about to get into, if we're talking about who's going to be at the top of the standings in about six months, we can have a different conversation. But I'm excited to be here as we've got a lot to get into today, I'm sure. Yes, yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Well, you also um, do a little bit of covering of the Washington Wizards, and that's kind of the focal point of our podcast today because coming into the season, they were one of the most interesting teams coming into the NBA season. We obviously know John Wall departing, Russell Westbrook coming in, a top 10 draft pick, a bunch of players maturing. So the Wizards are a, a very exciting team. So we're here to pick your brain on everything Washington Wizards to start. So the, the first thing we, you know, we all want to focus on is that ac- the acquisition of Russell Westbrook. Like what have you seen Russ bring to the Washington Wizards, both on and off the court in the early start of the NBA season? Well, you know, I have to first backtrack and say I was fortunate in that I started working with Fox Sports to cover the Mystics right at the beginning of their season. They won the 2019 championship. And then I actually had just started covering the Wizards last spring and then felt like it was terrible timing because it was right around the time everything shut down. But it actually has been an incredible time because everybody's talking about the Wizards right now, especially once the news broke that John Wall and Russell Westbrook were going to be traded. But I think that's something I've been saying from day one is the what makes this trade work for the Wizards is the fact that Westbrook brings a lot of intangibles that John Wall did not have on and off the court. I mean, I know a lot of people get on him. He gets a lot of flack for the fact that he shoots a lot. I get it. He does. But also, you have to look at the hard work this man brings on both ends of the floor to get triple doubles. There's a reason he's getting rebounds. There's a reason he's getting assists and scoring. You know, he is someone that literally pours his heart and soul into the game, and he leaves it all out there. I know I saw after their fifth loss, he was sitting at the end of the game, just kind of like still sitting there on courtside looking emotionally drained, you know, and emotionally frustrated. Mm -hmm. And he, he takes a lot of that ownership on himself. And he wants to be better for himself and his teammates. So I think from the fact that he can get it done on both ends of the floor, he brings that. Also, health is a big piece yeah. of it. I know they have been monitoring his minutes, of course, throughout the course of this first start of the season. They play the Sixers Wednesday night. Um, they've been monitoring his minutes. They've already said he probably won't play both games of any back-to-backs. But we at least knew what we were going to get out of him. John Wall's been playing incredible, don't get me wrong, in Houston. But we still haven't seen John Wall in a full season in a couple of years. And this season being condensed with so many games in such a close timeline, I would rather put more eggs in in Russell Westbrook's basket 
And then the last big piece that I think he brings that speaks for itself is his experience in the postseason. That's something you can't make up. And that is something that separates teams from being a regular season competitor to a playoff season potential to a championship caliber team. He, although he has not won a championship, has got a lot farther than John Wall and the Wizards have. So I think for them looking to take that next step to at least be a playoff team, he can help them because he's been in the later stretches of the season and knows what it takes. Yeah, the Wizards haven't made a conference final since they were the Bullets and won the title in 79. Exactly. So it's it's definitely a, a fresh change for them. They have someone who's been to the finals as a star player like Wes Westbrook has and has been in those game sevens against the Warriors. And honestly, makes the Wizards like more fun because they were like just a Bradley Beal show with John Wall like on sideline with his Achilles. And it's a there's a lot of buzz. It kind of reminds me of uh, when I lived in the DC area. It was like the Gilbert Arenas, Karan Butler, Antoine Jameson. Like they they weren't like title contenders, but they were very fun. And it's good for Washington basketball fans to watch. Exactly. The thing for me is the thing for me is you touched on the health, and I think that's huge. But I think just bringing in someone... So last year, I know John Wall didn't play, but Bradley Beal was the leading assister. He had 6.1 assists that led the team, and your point guards were made up of Shabazz Napier, Ish Smith, and a little bit of Isaiah Thomas, I believe. Mm-hmm. And it, like just bringing that to the floor, and it's not cutting into Bradley Beal's usage rate, which is really important, that he's still getting his looks up too. I think that element is going to make the team so much better. And I'm actually really surprised as how Russ has came in and I heard he has a great relationship with like Thomas Bryant and he's came in and just bought in. I mean, Houston traded him to one of the worst teams in the league on paper. And he came in and he's like, all right, ready to work. And that's one thing that I know John Wall probably could have done the same thing, but the health is such a big question mark to me. I'll take Russell Westbrook any day out of that trade. Exactly. You just know what you're going to get out of him consistently every day. And that's not a gamble that the Wizards could afford to take because with Bradley Beal, all the offseason talks about potential trades and, and his future in D.C., they had to get it right this year. So I think it was huge bringing him in. They, of course, brought in a number of other pieces, and I know we're going to get into more of those later. But I think also just the fact that he is a new voice. You know, we've all been around sports long enough to know sometimes you just need a voice in the locker room, a voice that, you know, has a different personality, a different outlook. And to have had Bradley Beal and John Wall in the driver's seat for so long for this team, it was time to mix it up a little bit. Right. And what I've noticed and what I was interested to see uh, is the style of play that Russ was going to bring to the Wizards. It's been noted and you're either like on the side, you either love it or you hate it. You either absolutely love the way Russ plays or you don't like the fact that he goes out and tries to chase everything. But I think that this team really appreciates that. I don't think they've, like the Wizards haven't had someone who can do everything on the floor from the guard position. I know Brad Beal can do most things. But you're talking about being the leading scorer, leading assister, and leading rebounder from one position. That's something that Russell Westbrook brings that, I am I mean, at his magnitude, he may be the only one that can bring that in the league the amount of times that he can do it. So I think it was interesting to see him bring that kind of play to the Wizards and assimilate it in, and he's up the level of play of, players like Thomas Bryant who has had a tear to start the season I think a lot of that is due to Russ that's a great point that's a great point I do think that at the end of the day because the Wizards have so many young pieces and you know you look across their roster especially the group that was in the bubble without having Davis Bertans without Bradley Beal and John Wall this past year in the bubble they didn't they across the board collectively had a group of players that had played like two or less years in the NBA in a pivotal role 
they maybe had been in the NBA, but they weren't playing significant minutes. So a lot of these guys, of course, Rui Hachimura was an actual rookie. But you look across the roster, whether it was a new player coming in in Jerome Robinson or young players like Isak Bonga and Mo Wagner, uh, Troy Brown Jr. and Thomas Bryant, they were just so young in their actual NBA experience that you really did need somebody that was okay with taking the, the majority of the load like Russell Westbrook is able to do. If you had a player come in that was only a scorer and needed to defer to others to get in the ball or anything, it wouldn't work. But Russell essentially can do a lot of it on his own and consistently do it on his own. And I don't know that there are many players you guys mentioned that we really could say would be able to come into this team and do well and mentally keep these guys going, physically staying locked in and be able to provide the numbers that he's already been able to do. Plus, of course, the effect it has on Bradley Beal having someone he can rely on too. Yeah, the energy is contagious for sure. The Wizards started off 0-5, have won their last two. Maybe that's a sign of Russ and Bradley Beal starting to put it together. You mentioned the John Wall trade, a trade that shook up the NBA landscape, even though everyone knew that Russ wanted out of Houston. That trade was one, wasn't one that, that people pegged to happen first. And, hey, you're happy to get a player like Russell Westbrook, but John Wall was very important, not only to the Wizards themselves on the floor, but the D.C. area. Um, so let, let's talk about that. Talk about the holes that John Wall leaves as he exits the Washington Wizards. Yeah, it's time. It's it's hard for any player when they especially have been drafted into a franchise to leave because we literally watched John Wall from 2010 as the first round, as the first overall pick coming into D.C. and watched him literally grow as an NBA player. We watched him go through so many different things on and off the court, injuries, uh, personal things, whatever it was. So he's what he has brought to D.C. And, and the runs that he's had with the Wizards will never be forgotten because it is important and it's something that is very, um, a, a, very much a big part of the Wizards' DNA. But I do feel like there is such thing as kind of overstaying your welcome. And I felt like it did get to the point. It's been 10 years. And when you year after year have similar results and similar outcomes, you know, they say you have to be crazy to continue to do the same thing and expect different results. And if the Wizards wanted to take a step, they had to figure out a change. And I know there were so many conversations in the offseason about what would make most sense. And John Wall, with his health and with the last two years between his Achilles and, and the injuries that he's had over the years, there was really a question of who would you move, Beal or Wall? And he had a very lengthy contract that made it difficult, but being able to figure something out, I think it was smart to take advantage of it. And I think actually for him too, I know we talk a lot about how it benefits the Wizards, but I think for John Wall getting that fresh start to be in Houston, although we've heard a lot about Houston in the offseason and a lot of um, behind the scenes drama and issues going on there that I'm sure we'll continue to hear more about. I do also think it's been helpful for him to be back playing with DeMarcus Cousins, to have a chance to play in a, in a different arena, to play with different fans, although they're not actually present, but still just being somewhere new. I think it was time for him. And so far, I think that's a big reason why he has been playing so well. Just that excitement of being somewhere new, kind of like when you get to a little change of scenery and, and a new um, environment that it does just help push you along. So I'm excited for him. And I think, again, anybody that's a true Wizards fan understands the move on both sides and is excited for both the Wizards to have a new face and also for John Wall to have a new opportunity. 
it's hilarious. It's funny because when I asked that question, I was expecting to hear a lot of like, oh, we're going to miss John Wall in this area. Oh, we're going to miss John Wall in X, Y, Z. And you immediately started talking about how it was a good thing. Overstaying is welcome. Kyle and Matt, I don't know about y'all. I didn't think I was going to hear overstaying is welcome. And I mean, that's we're, we're hearing from a Wizards faithful. So like, maybe this is just hearing it from the other side of the fence. The, John Wall has been absent from the Wizards for a while. So they've... So they've kind of had to deal with the hole that's been there because he's been out with injury with his Achilles. So getting Westbrook is filling holes that were already there because John Wall was just a question mark for so long. I think that I actually agree. Like the Westbrook over Wall at this point in their careers is an upgrade for the Wizards. So I'm not surprised to hear that. But what just surprised me, and I double checked it, John Wall has really been on the Wizards for 10 years. And and, hey, he hasn't played 10 (laughs) years. Maybe that factored in. Jesus, I remember he was at Kentucky, but back to just the point, I think that it is, I think a change of scenery was good for both guys. I mean, Russ maybe didn't have to leave. He'd been in Houston, what, one or two years? And But 10 years, and you haven't been the 20 and 10 guy that you were since 2016, 2015. I think it was time to go, and I'm excited for John Wall's career. I mean, I remember being a little middle schooler doing the John Wall. John, like, that was, oh, yeah. that was my thing. That was my <laughs> thing. And I, I, I'm excited for both of them, and I agree with everything Renee said. It was it was time to go. That is too yeah. funny. I, mean, it's, it's I was a senior in high school because um, John Wall was a year ahead of me. That's why I can vividly remember. I graduated high school when he was getting drafted to the NBA. Think about how much has changed the last decade. We've all changed. We've all gotten new jobs, graduated, whatever. And here he's been in the same spot, the same franchise for the last decade. That's such a long time. I do remember the John Wall too. That was Wizards uh, change the jerseys. He used to have like the, the dark blue. <laughs> but but Renee, but Renee, overstate is welcome. Like like I think I think there's a difference between right time to go and overstate is welcome. Like oh, and, no. and you paint and you had if you had kept him any longer, I think it would have gotten to the point okay. he did. Yeah, sorry if there's confusion there. So I think because this year is such a pivotal year, in my opinion, to keep Bradley Beal, like if the Wizards, if the Wizards do not do well, and I'm saying this now and I can say this with confidence, I don't not, not only will Bradley Beal not be here next year, he might not be here to finish out this year. I mean, it's this is a very Ooh. significant year. They can't afford to get this wrong. And in the past, we've made excuses because it's like, oh, well, maybe John Wall will get healthy and this will happen or that will happen. And then it, another injury happens there is no way they would be able to explain themselves out of this so it's it's vital that they figure it out and i'm glad they finally were able to get two wins to start off 2021 but it it really is a matter of like keep or or lose with bradley beal and i think we can all agree with where bradley beal is in his career with the numbers he's putting up averaging 30 points a game last year being one of the leading scorers across the league last year still in his prime still honestly a walking bucket you have to figure out a way to keep him. So bringing in Russell Westbrook, just like Milwaukee did with bringing in Drew Holiday to help keep Giannis happy for another year. As a business side of things, you have to figure out a way to keep your best players. So if it meant moving John Wall, it was time for John Wall to go. 10 years is a very long time. And I think we all agree you'd rather have Bradley Beal than John Wall based on how they're playing. So I'd say right, if it was another year, without a doubt, this what we're seeing from the Wizards would have been a mess. Right. So you're, you're saying that John Wall exiting now allows the Wizards faithful to remember him at his good. Like, remember the good about John Wall instead of saying, like, 
you know, giving him the Alshon Jeffrey treatment of why is this dude still on our roster? He doesn't give us anything. I'm sorry, I had to do. I had to. I had to throw a little. I had to throw a change. My fault. I'm not gonna do it the rest. I'm not gonna do it the rest of the episode. I I'm an Eagles fan. That's um, me. I'm the, I'm the only. You see, you see the Brady jersey back there. You see. You see how I'm rocking. I see Matt's got uh, his Eagles his Super Bowl they banner. Eagles fans. They Eagles fans. Uh, but but Renee, yeah. you talked a lot about you talked a lot about Bradley Beal just now, and that, that's a perfect segue to to our next talking point. Is Brad Beal the superstar? And should we expect, like, is this the year that we should expect him to get recognized? Not pseudo star, not next up. Is this the year that we, you know, the NBA and the NBA faithful, or NBA faithful, recognize Bradley Beal as a bona fide stamp down superstar this year? Is this, is 2021 the year? I think last year with him getting the all-star and the all-NBA snub was kind of like the, a really big slap in the face that he is going to be out to prove that he's a top player in the league. And I know what it seems like, and I'm not having conversations with Bradley Beal, so I don't know for sure what he's thinking, but what the vibe I get is that they're not only looking to for him to have the individual accolades he deserves, but for the team to reach the playoffs. And if they can do that, I think it all is tied together. So I think without a doubt, this is the year that we're going to see him and actually Russell Westbrook get a lot of the respect they deserve. Because I've been, I was saying this from the first games of the season, when I watched them play the Magic and then watched them play back-to-back against the Bulls, they were 0-4 and everybody's like, oh, what's going on here? Look at what Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook have been able to do. Look at the numbers they're putting up. If they can get this team to be a playoff caliber team, which they should be in the East, honestly, um, they're going to get a lot more respect because both players are in similar boats. Now, of course, Westbrook has been an an all-NBA player. He's been an all-star player, but he's got a different reason to play. A lot of people have been questioning his ability to help lead a team into the playoffs, having seen what OKC has done in Houston last year. They feel like there's the Westbrook effect that he, because he, the ball runs through him a lot, he takes a lot of shots, I get it, that he is not able to help a team get over the hump. So if he can come in and if Beal can come back and the two of them can lead this team that people have low expectations on to exceed those, I think they're both going to gain the respect they deserve because I do think that Westbrook and Beal are both All-NBA and, and All-Star caliber players. So I, not a doubt, I mean, if we're looking... Like I, and I actually had a whole segment on this and was breaking it down last year. These are awards that are given for individual performance. So regardless where the Wizards fall, if Bradley Beal is one of the leading scorers in the NBA, he should be amongst the leading players in the NBA at the end of the season. So I think this is going to be a year that we can't afford to overlook them, and they're going to put their name on blast. And kind of like LeBron was saying after they won the championship last year, you know, put some respect on my name. I think this is that year for them. I was going to say, I think you were going to say the same thing that I was going to, where, like, it's, it's a shame because that's how these awards get divvied out, where Bradley Beal was going towards the end of the season last year, a top three scorer in the, top three scorer in the NBA, and he wasn't an all-star. He wasn't all-NBA because the Wizards were ladder, ladder five, ladder ten of the NBA, and it's, it's a shame. And you're, Renee, you're right. Like, it, it should be evaluated on individual performance, but your team success kind of is like, the back end of the argument of where you get put in these, like where you get put in these rankings, where you get put in these, in these categories. Yeah. I just compared Lillard stats to Bradley Beal stats over the last two years. Uh, They both average 27 and seven and Lillard gets the game time. He gets the commercials and Bradley Beal sitting there like, where is, where's my acclaim? And a lot of it's because Dame had those moments in the playoffs, but 
Blazers were only an eight seed last year, so if Beal can get the Wizards to the playoffs, and he started out the year cold, he was shooting 21% from three when they started at 0-5, and he's shot 50% from three of the last two games, so that's looked like it's getting back on track. Um, and he gets into a playoff circuit, he'll have some playoff moments, even if they lose in the first round to like a Milwaukee or a Brooklyn. Yeah, I think so. To the people that really watch basketball and not the casual fans, I think we do understand where Bradley Beal, who he is, who he, like he just had a career year for some guys. And now he came back and we're only seven games in, but points per game are the same. Usage rate's the same. Russ isn't cutting into it. And his player efficiency rating is the same. His assist is really the only thing down, but now you have a primary ball handler on the court. It makes sense. But I think you hit it on the head, Renee, when you said they need to make the playoffs. I mean, mm-hmm. last year we saw a guy by the name of TJ Warren get put on this pedestal. Why? Because he was in the playoffs and some of it was the bubble and everyone was watching him. And no one's saying TJ Warren's better than Bradley Beal. But put Bradley Beal in a seven-game series with all the league watching, all the fans watching, he's going to show out 100%. And I promise you they will not snub him for the All-Star again if he continues to put up these numbers. If you're at 30 points per game at the All-Star break and you're not an All-Star, I don't know if that's ever happened in history. I think I think it would be criminal, and Bradley Beal should boycott the league if something like that were to happen. I don't, but, but here's the, here's the, the very unfortunate thing, Kyle. Like, if he's averaging 30 points per game, if Russ is averaging 25, 26, and nine and 10, but they're the seventh seed in the, in the East, you know, the the eighth seed in the East, nine looking on the on the outside looking in, they might snub him again. Like that's that's where you I go. Think- that was a narrative thing where you might come again. Now, Trey Young was was an all-star starter, and he was on one of the worst teams in the league. So I understand where, you know, the, the opposition comes in where they, those two oppose each other. But I do know those go hand in hand, that your stats and where your team is goes hand in hand in these kind of, you know, arbitrary awards that are given out. Yeah, yeah I, which is a shame because really I wouldn't is. put Jalen Brown. I wouldn't put Jalen Brown over Bradley Beal to be an all-star. But at this point in the season, if the Celtics continue success and Jalen Brown's being a good number two, that might happen. No, oh, that that man Jalen Brown is acting up. I Jaylen agree. Is, yes, yes. All right, we'll move on to the next part. Um, so I mean, with with the Wizards' non-success last year, I want to you know put it lightly, but you know with a little bit of down year comes a pretty high draft pick, and you spent you know a top ten draft pick your first. Uh, your first uh, your first round draft pick on an overseas player in Denny, and he's coming in and, and you know, making a little bit of mark. 25 points or 25 minutes a game, only seven points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 2.4 assists on 49% from the field, 48% from three, which is good. But looking at you know where he fits within the Wizards, his entire play, Renee, how you feeling about this draft pick so far? Denny of Deja. A, a name I've been trying to make sure I can learn. Um, I'm, I'm impressed with him. You know, I think something that he was actually just saying that really jumped out at me was like the fact that he is still not only a rookie, but also learning. And be, this is for everyone. Don't get me wrong. But as an international player, he's adjusting to a lot. And he's like, I'm, I'm asking questions. I'm taking it all in stride where it's only seven games. And then a lot of people have to keep in mind what kind of preseason did anyone have you know you had these players like Denny like all the rookies that were drafted and literally thrown into it so you're coming into a new country a new team a new league a lot of new so I think in the end he's going to be someone that is going to help and provide you know whether it's in a starting role off the bench or whatever it may be but I think for players like him they've got NATO they've got Davis Bertans those those middle of the 
pack players, they have to be the ones that get over the hump. Because again, you know what you're going to get from Russ and Beal. You know, Rui Hachimura is really stepping into his own. He was also the number nine pick in last year's draft and our back-to-back years at number nine. And so for that next core, you've kind of got big three there. That next core, even Robin Lopez has been a, a great veteran for them. I think of Deja is going to find his way. And if he can provide something consistently, that will help. You know, and I think that's the biggest thing is they, they need each player to figure out their role, which is what started in the bubble. And I and I was watching this unfold in the NBA restart. Those young players like TB and, and Troy Brown Jr. had a chance to start figuring out their role. Well, now when you add in some more and Abdija, he's got to do the same thing. And so I know they've been giving them lots of opportunities. Coach Brooks has been playing guys, rotating guys, each game, you know, getting them minutes. But I'm, I'm impressed. I think that he's done well. You never really know what an international player or any player for that matter, how they're going to transition into the NBA because it's just so different. The pace, the physicality, a lot of it is so different. He said that. He's openly spoken up on that. So I think one thing I took from all this that is truly a positive is how he like took that accountability that he knows and understands this transition is not going to be easy, but he's going to take that challenge and embrace it rather than having like this demeanor of, I don't know, this overly laid back or whatever it may be. Like he seems like he has the right approach and the mentality is 80% of of being a a good athlete. I mean, at this level, everyone's got talent, but what really can separate you is having the right approach. So I think he's going to be a great young player for them. And they've got a good young core that's really growing over this last uh, two years, I should say. Yeah, to me, this was the steal, maybe not the steal of the draft, but a huge steal at nine. I mean, Denny was a guy a lot of people, including myself, were saying this is a top five guy. And of course, with these European players, of course, the game is different, which is which is interesting to see how that's playing out with Denny, though, because he's only shooting about five shots a game, shooting over 50% from the field. And I, I do think this is a guy for the Wizards, though. Once you get into the latter half of the season, if they do make the playoffs, once you get into the playoffs, I would expect him to get to a 30 minutes per game guy and honestly have a huge impact for this team. I mean, I, I think outside of Hachimura, besides those big two, obviously, Denny has to be the guy on this team to succeed. And I really, I, I'm really impressed with Denny Avdija. I was, I always said Avdija, but thank you for the correction. Whoa, um, but, whoa. That's what I, that's what I've been seeing. I've been like trying to pay more and more attention. So if someone says it's Avdija, then I think it's Avdija. 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 I'll take it. But um, <laughs> just watching the, because so I did a whole big board series today where I, I went through the players, watched film, broke them down, and I think I had Denny at four or five. And yeah, watching his film, he was one of the most NBA ready players in the draft that I saw. And of course, you're not seeing it right now because it is a different type of level. A different type of game just speed wise is insanely different from where he played at before but i once he gets accustomed to that and maybe russell westbrook takes him under his wing i know he's not technically a point guard but he can ball handle and he can pass i think avdija will be a huge component on this team and i'm huge on him yeah i think your name like five more times just keep saying it like like draw it into i've said it avdija so many times that i need to i need to get it out or or like a yeah how they were saying it in the broadcast, but it's a working. Yeah, I'll just call him Denny because <laughs> uh, he 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 just turned twenty and he's averaging he's averaging seven points per game in twenty five minutes. That's a quality player off the bench immediately, and he's played seven only seven games in the NBA. There's no reason to think he's gonna he's not gonna get better. And like you look at there's so many foreign internationals that really struggle their first year. Like Dirk's a famous case. 
like he it helps that his dad was a professional player as well but he right off the bench he's like a quality shooter and ball handler off the bench and he, he's a guy that later in the year could be like a key guy you can go to I think because he's just that kind of player yeah I mean there are two big points when I when I look at Denny is one like the, the European guys like when they come over it's, it's such a different game that to me it's like a sink or swim when they come over you know we've, we've seen players come over and dominate like Luka Doncic we've seen players come over like Andre Bargnani like not you know what I mean so it's it's you know there, there's there's two sides to this coin um, and I think Denny's like a little, you know, a nice where in the middle, a nice moderate player where he's not coming and lighting the world on fire, but you know, it's not a bust. You know that there's, there's definitely potential there, but that my biggest question is, is this the role that he's going to stay in if Washington makes that next leap? If Washington were to make that next leap to a playoff team or a four, you know, ladder four or five seed or something like that, which I think is probably their ceiling. Does that mean that Denny perfected his role where he is now? Or does that mean that Denny had to step up and provide them an extra spark? So I think that's just a little bit to be seen. You know, if we're still evaluating, I know Scott Brooks and and the Washington Wizards are still evaluating as well. So, you know, it's just something I'm going to keep my eye on definitely as we move forward in the season. Yeah, I think he would have to become a three. I think he would have to become a three personally off that question. I, I don't think Roy would be a three on per se a four or five seed like you said. I think he'd be a great four, fourth option, and he's a great big man. He can play defense, he can get rebounds, but I think Denny would have to become the three in that scenario. Yeah, I think that you all make some really great points, and the biggest thing that we have to remember that a lot of people often are too quick to forget is, like you said, he is only 20 years old. He is a rookie. He is learning so much, and even hearing him saying it, um, I was just listening to his press conference he did the other, uh, would have been Tuesday, was a reminder of that. He's like, I get it. I know, you know, his English is broken. So it was, it was also just a reminder in that sense of the fact that he is coming into the into the league with so much that is new, but he has focused on, on their scouting report because he was their best scoring option. So now what happens when you bring in Russell and Bradley Beal, who can be the number one and two, and or one and one A, whatever you want to call them, and now Rui can step into what should be his true role as that third option, I think it's going to give him a lot of confidence because it was really a great test for him in the restart. But I think him alongside Beal and, and Westbrook, and of course he missed the first few games, but we have been able to see him finally back out there. I think it is going to be an explosive season. He's going to be one of the best players to watch grow from last year. I don't know if he's going to be the number one. I don't even know how you measure that, to be honest. But I definitely see him being someone that is going to be a player that is going to have a lot of people's attention as someone that has made a drastic growth, amount of growth and turned a corner in their career from his rookie season. Yeah, I mean, you talk about the growth right off the bat, going from 13 points a game to 14 points a game, going from one assist to two, going from 47 from the field to 52% from the field, going from 28% from three to 40% from three. Like I'm talking about here to here and pretty much every stat. Um, rebounds is the only thing that's going down, but you know, there's there's a lot of growth in Rory. So I, it's funny, Kyle and Matt. Like I had to hear somebody else say it. I didn't think I didn't think Max was wrong. If Max, if you're listening, man, I'll never think you're wrong, wrong, my guy. But I, I think I had to hear somebody else say it that like, yeah, it's Rui that's going to take that next jump. Like, did that solidify it for y'all? I think Rui's definitely going to take a good jump, and I think a lineup of Westbrook, Beal, Denny when he gets a little old, like if, if they keep the team together, Denny, um, Rui, and then Thomas Bryant could be like a really, like really solid starting five for the Wizards. But 
I think so far, I know it's a young season, but I think Christian Wood's probably the breakout player coming out of nowhere, averaging like 23 and 10. Really shows how Harden can make centers like really good. That's exactly where I was going to go. Um, that was actually who I had for breakout player of the year. I drafted him in my fantasy league like super early and got hated on for it. And then he just goes off right away. Um, and then there's other guys around the league, though. I mean, you're looking at a guy like Keldon Johnson on the Spurs right now who's playing amazing. And I mean, I, I do think Rui takes a jump, though. I, I liked Rui last year. And what's going to be valuable is that experience he got in the bubble without these guys where you were the number one. And, and, and they're going to ask a bigger role of him this year. And I, I think Rui does take a big jump. And if the Wizards want to make the playoffs, and I know you have Beal and Westbrook, they should be able to do it alone. But you need a guy like that, like Rui, with experience that he got last year, with his capabilities going into his second year of the league that, that can get them there. And I think he's going to play a huge role if they do make the playoffs. That's very true. You talk about making the playoffs. You're talking about jumps. Rui's got to make a jump, which means the Wizards make a jump. So, Renee, this is how we're ending the Wizards talk. I just, I, I need your honest opinion here. Uh, the West or the Eastern Conference is looking like it's back, you know, loaded again. We obviously know what the Nets can do. The Sixers are the top team in the NBA. Boston, we know what we can do. We can help them. Miami Heat made the finals out of the Eastern Conference, uh, you know, last season. So, where do you see the Wizards falling? Amongst the Eastern Conference, where do you see them finishing at the end of the season? Uh, well, I've been saying that the Wizards should be a playoff team, at least on paper. Um, nobody would have expected Orlando to come out and, and be 5-2 and two heading into, into Wednesday. Um, I think the Pacers, definitely without a doubt, with how they played in the restart, although they were swept by Miami, with TJ Warren having a breakout bubble performance, I think that they are a team that people expected more from. Um, of course, the Sixers, once they solidified and, and brought in Doc, that was a no-brainer for me that they were going to be a top team. But I think that looking across the board, there are going to be some surprises. And, you know, teams like the Celtics, I know that we were, we were mentioning them earlier. Um, some of these top teams that have been in the Eastern Conference playoffs year after year, they better step their game up. And Boston is one of them. The Knicks and Cleveland – where do they come from? So coming into this season, I was like, oh, hands down, the Wizards are without a doubt a, a top eight team in the East on paper. You know, I expected the Nets to be in there. I expect the Wizards to be. So those two to bump in, maybe the Pacers and Magic drop out from um, last year. And now there's always one sleeper. So like Charlotte might be another team that's in. But then out of nowhere, we get the Knicks. Cleveland's playing well. Of course, Atlanta has revamped. And, and I expected that. They're playing awesome. So yeah, right now it's a little it's a little difficult to say. I mean, across the board, there is not a single team in the East that you can say, oh, they definitely won't be in it. Maybe Detroit, maybe, but it's still early. We're only seven games in for most teams. So my confidence is is wavering a little bit. Sorry, Detroit. Um, Chicago, even. I mean, they two of their wins were against the Wizards for whatever that you know. Take that how you want. Um, but I know, I do think it's such a long season, even though it's still a shortened season, it is still a very long season and it's the survival of the fittest as well. So some of these teams that are starting off very strong, in my opinion, part of it is the excitement of they weren't in the NBA restart. So they haven't played since March. If you're a team that did not play in those, that March to October period, you are a lot fresher. You have a, a different, a different pep in your step. I think that's also why Brooklyn's been starting off so hot. KD and Kyrie didn't play at all in the restart. They were training. They were working to get back. So I'm I'm not saying that 
they won't make the playoffs. But some of these teams, I think, will drop off. So I still think the Wizards, in my long answer to a short question, yes, I still think the Wizards <laughs> will make the playoffs. I think they're going to sneak in at the but I And I think some of these teams that are starting off very strong and, in my opinion, are more rested are going to are gonna fizzle out in, a, in the later part of the season. I think the biggest advantage the Wizards have in potentially making the playoffs is the fact that a lot of times when you get to game 33 and it's just a road trip out to, out to like, Phoenix and a lot of players will, like, take that day off and, like, Russell Westbrook doesn't take a second off, let alone a day, and he'll get you a uh, 30-point triple-double and carry you to, like, five extra victories that you wouldn't have had. And I think I think the race for the eighth seed's going to be really close. I think those Russell Westbrook games might get him over the edge. Yeah, to me, to me, it's a race for the seven and eight seed. Um, I hate to call it locks so early in the season, but there's teams that I just can't see missing the playoffs. Sixers, Heat, Bucks, Pacers, Celtics, and Nets. Those are my six. Maybe one has an off year. So it's that seven and eight spot up for grabs. And to me, I've been really impressed with a couple of these other teams. I mean, the Magic are five and two. They're one maybe I'm not too bought in on. But teams like the Bulls, who you mentioned, I like this team. Teams like the Knicks, I think Tim, Tom Thibodeau came in and has really got these guys playing different. And R.J. Barrett might have a breakout year, and Julius Randle is doing, I don't even know who to compare him to. And, yeah, well, and there's just yeah. like so many teams like that. I'm always going to pull for Charlotte because uh, that's my guy, Terry Rozier. But I think I think they contend. They probably don't make it, though. And I think the Wizards are just in that next group of people. And like you said, the only team that you can maybe even count out as they can't make the playoffs is Detroit. And I, I agree fully with what you said. So it's it, they they have a shot in that seven to eight race. I would take the Wizards roster over a couple of those other rosters to be like, okay, this team can make the playoffs. But when you see them right now, what two and five, and teams like the Magic are five and two. I know it's only three games to make up, but they got to start winning. They got to start showing me some more. And they have one two in a row. But it, I mean, we have a long season to play out. So that, that, that's where I project them at. I'm not going to put a number on it because it could literally be seven through twelve anywhere I have the Wizards. But I think that's my Eastern Conference prediction to where all these teams are going to be fighting for two spots. Yeah, Kyle, I think that's a, a great point that you make. Um, because if you would have asked me this question, or if I would have posed this question preseason, just going off, like we just have paper to go off of and lineups and rosters. I mean, yeah, the Wizards have the seventh or eighth best roster in the Eastern Conference, you know, along with their track record to put them in the playoffs. Then you get the game rolling. And then you see how teams like Orlando are playing together. Teams like Chicago, where you can look at them as a whole and be like, they're taking a step up. I think it, it, it's a little bit different. And you also have to remember the Wizards are, you know, besides draft picks, the Wizards are one of the only of those, you know, seven, eight teams that are new in a sense. Like teams like Chicago, like, you know, they, they got over Kobe White's rookie season. Zach Levine is looking to make a step. You know, Laurie uh, Marketing's there. You know, they're, they're together. Orlando has had the same core of Nick Vooch and Aaron Gordon for a little bit. They're together. So Washington has, you know, it's a little runway of that where you bring in a brand new superstar and it, it might take you 10 to 15 games to really find out what everyone's role is, what your identity as a team is. And with 10 less games in a regular season this year, that that could mean everything. Like that could mean everything. But the great equalizer is the triple-double, Matt. So you're right. Russ is going to get them a, a bunch of games that just – you know, young, inexperienced teams like Washington don't get without someone like Russ. So, so that's big. So I'm with Kyle. I'm not going to put an exact number on it, but I'm not going to put an exact number on it. But it's that 7-8 race. Like, it's not always crazy, but it's funny because I, I almost feel like Orlando, like, prides itself on being the 8 seed. Like, they'd rather... <laughs> 
Giants to win the eight and and have a, a tantalizing series against the one seed than to be the six or seven and bow out early. Like that's that's their that's their model. That's their identity. So yeah, they're, they're going win game, they're game one. one. Win game one against <laughs> the Bucks. We'll take. Yeah, you. that's it. You now, if you, I do think though. Sorry, I'm sorry. The one last point I do want to make is I do think we have to keep in mind the fact that this year's start is so different. So that is. For me, one of the biggest things I've been taking away from the Wizards is you're just looking at a team that has a lot of potential, but they have to figure a lot out. Whereas we do see some other teams that kind of hit the ground running a little bit more, which is why I feel like some teams will drop off. I mean, look at the Raptors start. Nobody expected them to only have one win as of now. So, you know, I think we're going to see a lot of this shake out. But I do agree there are some teams that are more of a lock, in my opinion. But my list is a lot shorter. I only have the Sixers, the Nets, the Bucks. And I'm going to put the Heat in that category. Everybody else, I think it's wide open. Okay. So we'll see. I can't. I just can't see a scenario where the Pacers. I miss can't the see them, and I can't no, see the Boston not making the playoffs. But that's what yeah. happen. But to be Boston honest, Boston missing the playoffs would be like another Christmas present. I know it'll be in June or <laughs> April, but I'm going to call it a Christmas present. That would be incredible. But here's the thing: dropping from the three seed last year to the seven, eight seed, like that's. I mean, you didn't miss the playoffs, but, like, are you happy with how you got in? If you're Boston? Thing, some of those teams, like a team like Boston and Toronto, actually, haven't made any real change. So mm-hmm. they almost become predictable, you know, because it's yeah. you see the same team, like, bringing in Kemba for Boston. Of course, they don't have Gordon Hayward anymore. He's in Charlotte. But bringing in Kemba last year was a, was a significant change. What major changes have we really seen from them? Toronto, same you're thing. Talking, you're saying Tristan Thompson isn't a major t- major change? He don't do it for you? Put them over the hump. How could I forget? <laughs> for me, I just think in the Boston sense, it's like uh, we saw Tatum really become the superstar last year in the playoffs. And I'm not talking about just the best player on the team. Like, maybe top 10 in the league potential by the end of this season. So I think their jump would come more in the terms of just age, how how so young they are with Brown and Tatum to where those two guys could be the sky's the limit, to be honest. I don't, I don't know what the cap I'm at and you know what Marcus Smart's going to give you. I do agree that do would need to bring in a piece, but I, I, I just can't see it. I'm, I'm so high on Jason Tatum, which I hate to be as a Sixers fan, but I, I just can't see him missing the playoffs. Yeah. All right. I think they'll, they'll be in there. They'll definitely be in there. Yeah. I'm just, they're not alone yeah. for me, but they'll be there. <laughs> Fair. Fair. I believe you. All right. All this playoffs talk, it's making me want to switch to the from the hardwood to the gridiron because I, I know we're excited about the NBA restart, but NFL playoffs start this weekend. And I don't know about y'all, but my team hasn't been in the playoffs for a long, long, long time. So I would really like to talk about the NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about the wild card weekend, and we're just going to go quick and just. Real quick, predict each of the matchups. You can give a little blurb as to why you think, you know, which team is going to win. Don't got to be super long, but I need to know who you think is going to win each game. And Renee, being our guest, we're going to start with you. Sorry to put you on the hot seat, but this this is what happens when you're on straight facts. You got to give it to us right away. So the first one is the Colts at the Bills. That's 105 on Saturday. Renee, who who you see taking home that game? I have to hit the pause button. Your team is finally in the playoffs. Are you a Tom Brady fan or are you a Tampa Bay fan? I've been a Bucks fan since since Jake. Since hey, you know what I mean. Sure. Since I was there. I promise. I huh? promise. I've been rocking with them. I can confirm. I can confirm. Okay. Okay. There's some there's some Tampa Bay fans out here that are very finicky. 
and fake. It's a fair, it's a fair question. Maybe I should have hung my Mike Evans jersey instead of, or my Doug Martin jersey instead of my Tom jersey. That would have painted a better that's picture. That's why I was confused. Um, I was a, like, look, I get it. And that's why I'm a LeBron James fan. So whatever team he's on, that's my team. So I get that. That's a real thing. But I was just- If James is a Chris Paul fan, the other way. I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm the same way about Chris Paul. Sorry to interrupt. I, I, had, to, it's all good. I had to pack my bags and lug them to Phoenix. All right, Renee. So get, getting back into the NFL playoffs, Bills versus Colts. To start off the wild card weekend, who you got? Gotta go. I, this is this is a hard one. I wish it's not even as easy to say as that. But I I think the Bills are going to have a a much better playoff run this year than they did last year. And I think that the Colts, although they had a, a I didn't expect them to even be here. Um, I don't see them upsetting Buffalo. I think that Josh Allen is playing too well, and I think they got they've got too much right now. Momentum is on their side. The talent is there. I think they win this one. I think they're heading to, to round two. Yep. I'm going to go right with you on that. I mean, they are money right now going into the playoffs in terms of how much momentum you have. And to me, I, 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 I'm going to broaden it because I said last episode I can only see two teams winning the AFC. That's the Bills and the Chiefs. But I'm not going to broaden it as much to put the Colts in there. And I'm going I'm to take the Bills in this one. I don't think anyone's stopping the Josh Allen train this soon. As much as I like the Colts and I like Frank Reich and I want to see Philip Rivers have like a final run, 11-5, and just got a bad draw against Buffalo, and I think Buffalo wins by a couple touchdowns. I mean, look, you can Not you a can blow run up, but on, like 14. I agree. Look, you can run on this Buffalo defense, but you can pass all over this Indianapolis defense, and Josh Allen has been, has been slinging that thing around the yard, and low-key, they just put Kenny Stills on their practice squad. They get him cleared. And that's just another that's another weapon that, that Josh Allen got. So, you know, we'll we'll see. All right, moving on, moving on. Pittsburgh versus Cleveland. To me, this is the most interesting game of, of the wild card weekend. Cleveland, the longest drought, longest playoff drought in, in the NFL right now, just got snapped. Um, and they're gonna have to go back to back. They just played Pittsburgh to get into the playoffs. Now they gotta play them in the first round. So does the same thing happen, Renee? Does Cleveland knock off Pittsburgh for two straight weeks or Pittsburgh regain dominance? It's hard to beat a team twice in a season, let alone twice in two weeks. And of course, the only thing that I think works in Cleveland's favor is, and this works in both teams' favor, so it could work, it could go either way. The Steelers didn't play. I mean, they didn't play anybody last week. You know, they knew they were in the playoffs. They were resting players, rightfully so, between COVID and injuries. It's smart. You know, don't risk having Big Ben out there. Don't risk having certain players out there. Um, so you weren't playing the same Steelers team. And then also the rivalry here. I don't think it matters if this if this team matched up on a Sunday versus a Tuesday or a Thursday. It doesn't matter. They're always going to bring it. But I think what's going to work in the Browns' favor, and I still haven't said who I think is going to win because I kind of don't really know. Um <laughs> The Browns also have dealt with a lot of COVID issues the last few weeks. So they haven't been at full strength. They've been getting by. They got in, they barely got in the playoffs. They should have been a, a, a lock in and beat the Jets. They barely get into the playoffs, but the talent of this team, I feel like, was moving in the right direction, and we still haven't seen them play at their best because they've had all these random, typical Cleveland sports issues, I should say, of the Browns being the Browns. So I could see the Browns winning this, actually, as I'm talking myself through it. But this is going to be a fight. That I do know. This is going to be a down-to-the-wire I mean, game. This is definitely going to be one of the most exciting games of the weekend. I think it's going to be the closest game of the weekend. And they almost, the Browns almost browned at the end of the Pittsburgh game. They almost did it. Like, they almost took themselves out of the playoffs. I thought it was going to happen. Matt, Cleveland, Pittsburgh. 
separated by a river. Who wins? You're you're excited about this game. I'm not. I think it's two teams that are really playing poor football. I think the Browns are way worse than the record. They're 18th in DVOA, which is my favorite football stat. Dude, he's still hating. He's still hating. They're the second worst 11 and five team in DVOA history, going be- uh, only better than the 2012 Colts. I think Steelers win by like 10, and it's an ugly like some 20 to 10 kind of game. Renee, he just be hating on the Browns. He just be hating. I, I'm rooting for the Browns, but I, I I I don't like Pittsburgh. I'm rooting for the Browns, but I just don't see it. Uh, I don't really like either Kyle, team, so. Kyle, bring some positivity, man. Tell me it's going to yeah, be Yeah, James. So when Matt first started hating on the Browns, I was with him. And then uh, you, I remember your question was, when do we take the Browns seriously? And I said they had to win a playoff game. And the way they were going into the playoffs, I know, I know last week was not pretty. But I'm taking them seriously right now. And it might be just I hate everything Pittsburgh Steelers because I go to the University of Pittsburgh and my roommates very much annoy me with that. But I'm taking Cleveland. I'm I'm doing it. I think they have a massive edge because, one, I believe Mike Tomlin, you do rest your starters, but I don't think they wanted to win that game because they knew they were playing the Browns. I think they wanted this game. And then you also have a chip on your shoulder in your quarterback, Baker Mayfield. People have called him a bust. He's had a great year, but he still has to win a playoff game. And... I'm going to take the Browns. This, we've seen the Steelers shaky. We watched them lose a game to Washington, then lose a game to Cincinnati right after. And I know it's the playoffs. I know they've been there before. I know Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Ben Roethlisberger's been there before. But give me the Browns. And look at their playoff history, though. They always drop the ball in the playoffs. Yep. Mm-hmm. What? Cleveland. <laughs> Literally. Cleveland. Cleveland's been playing up. Uh, you know, last last week aside, I think last week was a little anomaly. We talked about all the reasons where last week was just a, a funky week for both of those teams. Cleveland's been playing really good football. I've been I've been very high on the Browns and giving them a lot of credit as they continue to get better all season. And with that all being said, I'm taking the Pittsburgh Steelers this weekend in a, in a very close game, though. In a close game, um, but I do think Pittsburgh edges them out. I just think the NFL playoffs over overall playoffs, like most playoffs are an experienced man's game. The NFL playoffs are just different. Like, you you got to go through it one time. And the Browns have majority of their team who not only have never been there, but has never sniffed it. Like, they ain't even been close. So, you know, for, for a team with, you know, site that's so historic, like the Steelers, coaches, uh, you know, and Mike Tomlin, who's never had a losing season, is, a, is one of the best coaches of our generation. I, I think the Steelers get it done. I think it's going to be really hard to knock them off in the playoffs. Uh, but we're going to keep it rolling because the next one is – uh, for Wild Card Weekend, uh, we going down there uh, to Titans and the Raven. I know I'm going in a different order than we have it that, you know, it, it's actually going to premiere. Um, but this is just how I have it written down. So the Titans versus the Raven. Another good matchup for Wild Card Weekend. Um, it's really a 2K rusher, a 2K running back for the first time in a long time. Or the first quarterback ever to rush for 1,000 yards in back-to-back season. So that's to me what this boils down to. But Renee, who wins in the clash of the Titans? You see what I did there? Who wins, Titans or Ravens? <laughs> I like that. Um, I don't know if we could have drawn this one up any better. I mean, you look at these two when they matched up last year in the playoffs, um, and everybody expected that the Ravens were going to roll past them and, and win because nobody thought the Titans could beat the Patriots and the Ravens, and they did. Um, but I don't think the I don't think the Titans win this one. I don't know. The Titans have been playing have been playing very well. Honestly, I, I'm I'm. 
last last week's game was pretty convincing. Um, and I was like, oh, Tennessee. That was like my reaction. I had like no words. Um, just by the way, they found a way to squeeze out a win. And that, I mean, off the post. But I think Baltimore wins this one. I think that the Ravens still aren't a Super Bowl team yet. And, you know, I, I know we all had expectations of that last year, or many did. But I think they're ready to at least get back to where they were and get to the division around and see if they can exceed that. So I don't think they lose in this round. I don't. I think they lose in the next round. So I had them beat in Tennessee. Right, we just talked about the first round. They can do whatever in the second round. But if they win the first round, that's all we're worried about right now. <laughs> Matt Kyle. Yeah, they're winning this one. Titans, Ravens. What's that? Uh, this is the hardest Matt game to Kyle, pick for Titan me, Ravens. to be honest with you. I think this is the closest game with... I think this is the closest game of the weekend, but uh, you got, I'm not going against Derrick Henry. I'm sorry. I I, I know the hardest part for me is the Ravens were so good. MVP two years ago, best team in the league in the regular season last year. Are they really going to get bounced in the first round? But I'm throwing narratives out the window here. And I think the Titans are the better football team. And I think they win it. Lamar Jackson gets revenge. I I keep asking playoff demons to exercise. I, I think the Ravens do. It's going to be a great close game. Yeah. Ravens eke it out on a, I'll go more specific, Justin Tucker game winner. I love me some Tucker game winners too. I, I can get down with that. Um, I think I got good odds. Yeah. Okay. okay. I do believe in the Ravens defense and I do believe that maybe they don't shut Derrick Henry down, but I do believe in they, they can stop him enough to make Ryan Tannehill be the reason that the Titans win. Uh, against the Ravens and if I'm the Ravens and I make Ryan Tannehill beat me I like my shot I just like I like my odds against Ryan with Ryan Tannehill without the backup of a 150 yard game from Derrick Henry I just like my chances and I do think that um, I, that Lamar Jackson really finally gets that from Tannehill Tannehill's been great for the Titans but uh, he has been but you can't tell me that his level of production is the same when Derrick Henry gets shut down you just can't tell me that and I'm not and I'm and I'm not saying that Ryan Tannehill is going to go out there and flop but I've you, you're saying that Ryan Tannehill is going to be the one to, to beat a playoff team? Like, he's going to be the reason? It's going to be – I think it's going to be a shootout, one. And I think Tannehill cemented himself as a top 10 QB this year. But that's a debate we can have another Ooh. day. Ooh. I don't know about all that. I think you look at what Lamar Jackson has been able to do. And he – and, you know, Derrick Henry on one side, Lamar Jackson, that's that's – the, the best players on the field, in my opinion, for both teams' offense. But I think that it's still going to be the Ravens. You know, I don't think – I think Ryan Tannehill is going to be Ryan Tannehill, which is not a top-10 quarterback in the league. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm picking Baltimore because I don't trust Tennessee's defense. Because giving up 40 points to the Packers two weeks ago and then 38 to the Texans. So, But they can put up – Yeah, Renee, you're – I mean, the Titans can match it. Uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm going to think that. It's going to be a shootout. But it was this, an overtime game in the regular season, so teams like the Titans, yeah. much like why I like the Browns, are finding ways to win, and that is something to be said too. The later stretch of the season, that's why I was impressed with the Titans because I mean Texans coming in with a losing record and everything, you weren't expecting them to even make this a game. But Tennessee is finding ways, whether it's a lucky bounce or anything like that, to find ways to win. But at some point, that catches up to you, and I think that's this weekend. I mean, but does momentum not mean anything? Aren't the Ravens going into this playoff like five straight wins? Go and if that's not peaking at the right time, what 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 is? That that's exactly what you want to be. 
going to the playoffs. All right, we're moving into the NFC now. My bread and butter. First one we got, the Saints versus the the Bears, who, if, if this is not lucky, the way the Bears got into the playoffs, I don't really know what luck is. Like, shout out Mr. Whiskey, I guess, for getting them there, but like, they lost that game, thought they were going home, and looked up in an hour and like, oh, we going to the playoffs? Oh, thanks, Arizona. So, Saints versus Bears, Renee, who you taking? Saints. This is not even, this is a no-brainer. It's the Saints. The Saints are, they're, anyone no, this is like, no debate. What's Saints in a blowout. Yeah. This shouldn't even be a playoff game. Put the Eagles in that spot. So <laughs> come on now. Nah, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see it. I've watched enough. I've watched enough of the 2020 Eagles. I don't need to be subjected to another. No, I'm, I'm. Yeah, I agree with that actually. Um, does anyone want to take the Bears? Like, like I'm. The Saints are gonna win. They're gonna win by a mile. But like, is there not something that's like, I don't know kind of like interesting about the Bears I think they're a very interesting team because for a three game stretch they're awful then for a four game stretch you're like yo it's a pretty good football team then for a three game stretch they're awful like I've never seen a seesaw of a season like this so there's just something like interesting about that and they're playing with house money they they at the end of their game they thought they yeah, were going they home can, they, 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 can, they can be interesting for one more week that's cool they could be interesting. Their defense could play okay. I don't think it's a blowout. I'll take the Saints by like ten. Maybe you think that's a blowout. I think it it'll be a little low, more low scoring than you think. But it's the Saints. It's not much to think about here. I mean, maybe games. I'm trying to drum something up. I'm trying. I'm trying to get something. We move it. We move it through the NFC playoff picture. Uh, an NFC West battle in the playoffs: Seahawks versus Rams. Who do you think wins out West, Renee? Definitely Seahawks. I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in Russell Wilson's basket. I think they're winning this one. Yeah, that's the way I am. Yeah, I mean you have, you have like, like we don't even know if Jeff Goff's gonna play yet. Yeah. And I know you guys both took Arizona over the Rams last year. I or last week I did take the Rams, but I'm gonna take Seahawks. I mean, he lost his MVP bid. He knows that. All, all the narrative went from Russell Wilson, the GOAT, to Russell Wilson uh, falling off. So I, I think he comes in and has a good playoffs, and I think it starts here with against the Rams. I think the Seahawks win, but I think it'll be closer than people think if golf plays. I think it'll be closer than people think. Yeah, if, that's the thing. We have no idea if golf is going to be able to play, if he can play, is he really ready to play? You know, a finger injury for a quarterback is, is detrimental. So either way, I think it's, it's going to be tough for them to win this one. Yeah, I think the Hawks get it done. I think if, if Jared Goff does play, if Jared Goofy does play, they they you know they have a little bit more of a shot. But you know, you know who who were they rolling out there last week against against the Cardinals? John Walford. John Walford. <laughs> he played well. There's a couple times this season where I've turned on NFL games and I, I do one of these. Who the hell that be? And that was one of them last week where it's like a who the hell that be type player. And if, if that's who the Rams have to put out in a playoff game against the Seahawks, Russell Wilson in January, I, I, I just don't see there's any way they get it done. So I'm going Seahawks. All right. We're say, we saved the best for last. I couldn't wait to talk about this one because Chase Young had a lot to say about it. Washington football team versus the GOAT and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Renee, talk to me nice now. Talk to me nicely now. Who is that? This one is Tampa Bay. 
you don't have to be a fan of Tampa Bay to know that they win this one. Shout out to Washington for even making it. I mean, they have some great storylines. I'm an Eagles fan, so I'm not happy with anybody that wins other than the Eagles out of the division. But if it had to be someone, at least it was Washington and not the Giants or Cowboys. Uh, Chase Young put his foot in his mouth by trash-talking Tom, saying we're coming for you, whatever. Um, Tom did respond, and Tom is going to respond this weekend. I mean, there's a chance the underdogs could do a little something-something, but this Tampa Bay team... You know, I don't know what Evan's status will be, but it seems like the reports came back. At least it's not as bad as a season-ending injury as of now. We don't know. Um, a lot of question marks there. But regardless, you've got Tom Brady on the field. You've got Gronk. A.B. is out there doing well. looking like A.B. So I think they win this one. Yeah, I mean, I know you say you don't have to be a fan to pick the Bucks, but like I can almost guarantee you that one of those two over there is gonna say Washington just to get under my skin. I can, like I like I can feel it happening. I almost know it. Go ahead, someone nah, say I'm it. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. Uh, it's it's. I I, I could have done a thing about how Brady loses to bad quarterback from the playoffs all the time. So like Taylor Heineke, if he played, or Alex Smith. But now nah, the Bucks are gonna win. Both have a long playoff win drought. Uh, uh, the last time the Washington won a playoff game was actually against the Bucks in 05. Bucks haven't won a playoff game since they won the Super Bowl. Bucks end that streak and beat them convincingly. Yeah, give me, give, give me the Bucks. I mean, I don't even think our friend of the show, Matt Valavinos, thinks his team's going to win in Washington. I, I, I don't think many people think they're going to win. I think it's going to be interesting to see how many points Brady does but on that defense as good as that Washington defense is. I want to see if he puts up 28 or he puts up 45. But Washington probably doesn't score more than 17, and it's not even going to be close. Buccaneers. I do think Washington, just knowing my team, Washington might get out to a little bit of a start. It might be close coming to the end of the first half. They might even be up a little bit at the end of the first half. But second half time is second half time. And we've seen it many times this season where the second half looked a lot different from the first half for the Buccaneers, so... I'm riding with my squad to the end. Give, give me, we got the goat on my, on my squad. Y'all, none of y'all know what it's like to have the goat on your team. It's an amazing feeling. It's just an, an amazing feeling. I got supreme confidence over anybody, literally over anybody. But that, we're, we're coming to the end of the NFL and NBA talk. Renee, I know you got to bounce, but thank you so much for joining us here on Straight Facts. Before you do run, I, I give all of our guests a chance to plug themselves. So, Go ahead and talk about what you're doing, what you got coming up next, where you've been at, where people can find you on social, and all that. This is your victory lap. Go ahead. Well, thank you guys so much for having me. And I will say, James, it is nice having a goat on your team. I'm a LeBron James fan, so I know all about being a fan of a team that's got the goat. Um, but all jokes aside. Kyle, don't start Kyle. Yeah. Kyle, don't start. You got the number two. Kyle, you got the number two Oh boy! All right, see who is. All right, let's see who's 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 got the who's the last team standing. I got them. I got them both number two. Brady's number two, and look. Yo, yo, can we act right? We have a guest. We have company. Let's go on that note because this could be a whole other hour in itself. What's uh, so definitely. It's great having you. <laughs> Thank you, and you, I'm all across the media at Renee P. Wash. But it's been a pleasure. Um, excited to see what happens, and excited for playoffs. Let's get it, let's get it going. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go. Thank you so much, Renee. Be safe out there, okay? All right, so big up to Renee. She has now departed, but we're not going to leave you guys hanging. We're going to end the show like we always do with the countdown. So let's get into it. Number five. Number of consecutive touchdown drives Ohio State had against Clemson in the Sugar Bowl. 
The last time Clemson's defense allowed five straight touchdown drives was in the 2012 Orange Bowl loss to West Virginia. It was not a fun game to watch. Brent Venables got his lunch eaten by uh, Ryan Day. But shout out to Ohio State for coming prepared. Yeah, it was ugly. <laughs> it was a huge surprise, though. All right, let's go. Number four. The number of wide receivers to win the Heisman Trophy uh, in the history of college football is Johnny Rogers in 1972, Tim Brown in 1987, Desmond Howard in 1991, and Devontae Smith now in 2020. Look, I mean, I, I think a lot of people got, you know, passed up maybe well that deserved. people think. Maybe like, you know, Kyle. What'd you say? Oh, well deserved. Well deserved. I, I do think it was well deserved. I think that there was a time to to give it to a wide receiver is now Devontae Smith was actually absolutely tearing up the field at Alabama. So congrats to him, man. Well-deserved Heisman Trophy. I agree. Number three. The number of active NBA players to score 62 plus points in a game. That's Steph Curry, Carmelo Anthony, and Devin Booker. Shout out to Steph for taking it out. All the idiots slandering him on Twitter after a couple of bad games, showing that he is an all-time great. Right away, too. Like, just next game. Right away. Just next game. All right, 62 piece. <laughs> it looked yeah, easy, too. It looked, it, looked, it looked way too easy for him, too. It ain't look hard at all. It definitely did. All right, number two. The amount of more receiving TDs Devontae had this season than field goal attempts that Mason Crosby had. So, not only did Aaron Rodgers have more touchdowns than punts attempted by his punter, but Devontae Adams had more TDs than field goal attempts by Mason Crosby. So, I mean... The Packers just had an absolute all-time season, and to me, this just further the you know furthers the narrative and furthers the point that yeah, that Aaron Rodgers should be MVP. Aaron Rodgers should be MVP, and that status to me is a is a supporting detail of why he should be MVP. Because wide receiver can't exist without his quarterback. Yeah, when I saw it first, I was like, oh, Mason Crosby made 16 field goals. That's crazy. And then I was like, wait, it's attempts. Like, it, it, it's not yeah. field goals made, it's field goal attempts. And I don't know if he missed any, but, I mean, it was touchdowns to attempts, which is crazy. The number of colleges north of the Mason-Dixon line to win the College Football National Championship since 1998, that's Ohio State in 02 and 14. The Ohio State's the only thing to stop the South's dominance in college football. We have one more chance to do it on Monday night. Let's do quick predictions. Why not? I got Ohio State. Oh. I just got a warning. I've picked every single national title game wrong since 2014. That's, that's <laughs> my disclaimer. I've got it. Damn, Matt. Well, now I want to get off my pick because I kind of want to pick Ohio yeah, State well, too. Well, here's the thing. I think, Matt, you want to pick Ohio State for a little bit of validation, right? Like if Ohio State wins, then, then you're, yeah, you're yeah. lost in the semifinals a little bit. Yeah, I, I yeah. knew where it was coming from. I knew where it was coming from. I do want to kind of see Ohio State win. I think that would be cool to see them. It's like a... You know, I'm tired of seeing these these SEC, SEC teams win a title. So I'll go Ohio State. We'll sweep it across the board. Actually, no, 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 no. As I said that, as I said sweep it across the board, as I said sweep it across the board, I was like, nah, take that shit back. Like, Alabama's the best team in the country. Come on, man. We can't sweep that. I'm taking Alabama. Stop that. Stop that noise. All right. And we got number zero this time. The number of times the league leader in passing yards has won the Super Bowl. This streak will continue into next season as Deshaun Watson led the league this year and missed the playoffs. Um, Clutch benching of Mahomes in Week 17 by Andy Reid. He knew the stat and let Deshaun Watson. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Pass it. 
Analytics. Big Red. Analytics. Yeah. Analytics. Big Red know. Big Red know all. 100%. All right. We're almost out of time for this episode. It was a great one, but we can always get some shots up at the buzzer. So, Kyle, you want to go first? What you got to say at the buzzer? Yeah, I'm a, uh, not nothing crazy, actually. Uh, I'm going to go almost like PTI style, just keep it sports. And uh, when we started this recording, my Pitt Panthers were down 14 points to Syracuse. Look left. They won the game. Huge. But the other one is a little more relevant to the national thing. And uh, Justin Fields, my guys, is QB2. He's been QB2 since well, he was QB1 in high school. Then Trevor Lawrence came along, and he's QB2 since then. He's been QB2 this year. He will be QB2 in the NFL. And if you want to take the BYU kid, Wilson, over Justin Fields, you are making a terrible mistake as an NFL organization. I just want to put that out on paper because it's a big, hot topic for some reason. In my mind, it's not even close. No, but but the question that I was going to ask Matt, and I'm glad you brought this back up because he almost got away from answering this. But did the that Ohio State beating Clemson make ju- make Trevor or make Justin Fields jump Trevor Lawrence as the number overall no. pick? No, no, no. <laughs> Trevor Lawrence, Trevor Lawrence played fine that in the game. Like he didn't play his best. Now Justin Fields is great. He'll be the he'll be the, he's clearly I people thought like oh he's overrated because he's just better the second best after lunch like he's gonna be a good NFL quarterback I agree with Kyle that's what I've been trying to tell people all right where Matt you got something to say at the buzzer I just I'm gonna it's serious but I'm gonna keep it short a lot of bullshit's happening today in the capital all I have to say is fight against fascism because it's dangerous and it's a real threat and we have to we have to support democratic processes for as otherwise they will topple. Yeah. It's really a shame what's going on in the Capitol today. Hope everyone in and around the DC area is being safe. And it's just, uh, it's scary to see what our country can, can get to sometimes, but thanks you. Thank you, Matt, for, for shining some light on that. Um, my only at the buzzer is, um, you know, last Monday I started a new job. I started a new nine to five grind. Um, so one, I want to, thank both of you guys for kind of picking up where I leave off because I'm not always available to kind of help with the back end stuff throughout the day now uh, because I do have this new nine to five but I- I'm really happy to, to, to be waking up with a purpose each day even if it is early as hell in the morning like I actually get up and get to contribute to society instead of just you know waiting around for something to happen now so you know it's not going to take away from what I do here it's not going to take away from any of my sports stuff but man am I happy to have a, a you know a, a, a a structured grind again like it, it actually does make me feel good so you know that that's a, a turn the corner moment from 2020 to 2021 i hope everyone out there is going to have one because we shed the negativity of last year and, and we're bringing in a whole new start into this year but that's all the time we have for this episode of straight facts big ups to renee washington as kyle said earlier for coming on and dropping not only some knowledge about the wizards but also helping us you know decipher these nfl playoff predictions but for my guys stat matt robinson and kyle Sirik. I am James Jackson. These have been the facts. Straight up.